sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Tuesday live on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. The talk of the day, the talk of the sports media landscape, focusing on the National Football League, continues to be the Deshaun Watson decision. We got word yesterday from Judge Sue L. Robinson that Deshaun Watson, based on the disciplinary hearing process, has been suspended six games at this time. But as we learned yesterday, the NFL would have three days to respond if they wanted to appeal that ruling of Judge Robinson. So that's where we begin today's show on the morning after the league's response yesterday. I'm going to read it off in a full quote. It begins, quote, We thank Judge Sue L. Robinson, the independent disciplinary officer, for her review of the voluminous record and attention during a three-day hearing that resulted in her finding multiple violations of the NFL personal conduct policy by Deshaun Watson. We appreciate Judge Robinson's diligence and professionalism throughout this process. And then, as you just saw on your screen, and we'll bring it back up here, pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL or the NFLPA, on behalf of Watson, may appeal the decision within three days. In light of her findings, the league is reviewing Judge Robinson's imposition of a six-game suspension and will make a determination on next steps. End quote. That's the part of the NFL's response that you see there on your screen. The NFL has 72 hours from yesterday to decide if they will appeal the suspension of Deshaun Watson at only six games. If there is an appeal process, the person overseeing that appellate process is Commissioner Roger Goodell. Of course, within the last couple of years, in that new CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, as was referenced there in the league's response, Judge Sue L. Robinson is put in as the independent arbiter, agreed on by both sides, appointed jointly by the National Football League office and the NFLPA. She is allowed to review the report that was given to her in that disciplinary hearing by the National Football League and thus make her determination, her ruling, in the six-game suspension of Deshaun Watson. Now, Judge Sue L. Robinson's entire 16-page ruling was released to the public yesterday. I took the time to read all 16 pages of that report. I'm not a legal analyst. I'm not an attorney. But I feel it's important to make sure that I do my thorough research so that what I say here, live on air, matters to you out there because the football part aside the greater topic of this conversation is a very sensitive matter and my words matter in this situation so some of the key takeaways that i found from reading judge sue l robinson's 16-page report that based on the nfl's investigation it was a report given to sue l robinson that she determined this ruling from we have heard a lot in the public of the 24 civil lawsuits brought against deshaun watson 23 of those 24 civil lawsuits have now been settled. But in the report, only four massage therapists were included. And that testimony is what Sue L. Robinson made her ruling based off. But it's interesting when you look at that ruling from Sue L. Robinson and her determinations that led to the six-game suspension 
of Deshaun Watson because as the league noted and as Sue L. Robinson notes in her ruling, the three violations of the NFL personal conduct policy is what she finds Deshaun Watson certainly broke and he did not pay attention to those provisions. Those three violations of the conduct policy are as such. First being sexual assault. The second, conduct that poses genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. And the third and final violation of that personal conduct policy, conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL. A quick welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. A Tuesday on the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates. I am Ben Stevens. The league's response and Sue L. Robinson's entire 16-page ruling and report that led to a six-game suspension for Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. As I noted before we welcome in the radio audience, I read all 16 pages of that report yesterday. And it was interesting because Sue L. Robinson does find that Deshaun Watson broke the three standards of the personal conduct policy, which the NFL alleges. And she says the league met the burden of proof of all three of those violations. So if she found Deshaun Watson and violated all three of the provisions of the NFL's personal conduct policy and also noted Deshaun Watson's lack of remorse in her ruling, how did we only end up with a six-game suspension? Well, the NFL made the argument as they sought after a full year-long suspension, this was unprecedented territory for Deshaun Watson. The magnitude and the scope of all of the sexual assault allegations and the improper sexual conduct in massage therapy sessions. However, Sue L. Robinson disagreed with that interpretation. And as you can see in that conclusion we have put on your screen a few times here, Sue L. Robinson believes the NFL did not give fair notice of equating, as she claims, nonviolent sexual conduct with violent conduct as sexual assault or domestic assault that the NFL has dealt with in a precedented category in years past. So although the NFL argued this was unprecedented, Sue L. Robinson disagreed and equated the nonviolent sexual conduct with the violent conduct that the NFL was claiming. Sue L. Robinson did not agree and set her own precedent with that six-game suspension. I'm not sure the women that were included in this situation would agree with Sue L. Robinson's interpretation, but that is how we got to only a six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. The league's made its response yesterday, and the betting markets have been updated as well. We'll look at that up next here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Stay with us all across the SportsGrid network and Sirius XM Channel 159. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. Joining us now on the program, it is Kevin Walsh. Old K-Dubs, as he is known, one of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning. 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time. Kev, how was the show today? Yeah, we had a good time there, rocking and rolling on the early line. Money line's not all too far uh, around the corner. We're just looking to give 108%, man. 75 plus 33, 108%. I love that. 75 plus 33. Numbers to know here on the grid. So, Kev, for the first time, the entirety of this offseason, we have a new market available for the Cleveland Browns. A team win 
total that came out yesterday afternoon mm -hmm. following Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension as we await what the NFL League office will actually do from an appeals process if they decide to appeal that six-game suspension. After the ruling yesterday from Judge Sue L. Robinson, I wasn't sure, Kev, when exactly we would get this win total because it's at six games right now for that suspension for Deshaun, but might it move up in number if the NFL does decide to appeal that ruling? Well, here's the win total for the Cleveland Browns. Nine and a half for Cleveland in 2022. The under has the juice at minus 145. Kev, do you believe that's a fair win total for the Browns entering the 2022 campaign? So before I even let you know whether I think it's fair or not, I think this is really one of the most noteworthy numbers so far of this NFL season. Because you could have always bet that over 9.5, as you, you actually, I think, kind of pointed this out to me at one point. Maybe it was just through watching your show. But the 10-plus wins is essentially yep. was a win total, right? That's over 9.5 mm -hmm. wins. And here's what's fascinating to me. The Watson news drops. The Panthers line, essentially no movement. To make the playoffs was plus 100, it's the exact same. Okay, they went from plus 260 in the division to plus 230. But there's been some legitimate movement here on this win total. The yep. over 9.5 wins was minus 105. It's now plus 125. 30 cents of movement's real. And I saw that because initially I was looking through the 10-plus wins market. I said, yeah, it's pretty interesting how that happened. And it's because for the first time all season long, the FanDuel Sportsbook opened themselves up to negative Browns bets. Outside of betting on the Panthers in week number one, you were allowed mm. to bet against the Watson news, and people clearly were willing to do so. 30 full cents of movement there. I, ben, obviously a huge Twitter guy, the Kim Kardashian gift. She kind of sneaks around the corner there trying to see what's going on. I feel like that's what you got here from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Like, they're not going to yep. open the whole shop here right now, but they gave themselves a little bit of a taste, and I think they found out that the betting public is thinking about going under on these Browns number because of the news. Here's a tease for you. We have the Fade the Public poll to end out our number one. It will be the question about Cleveland's win total, nine and a half. Which way are you leaning? Over that number, getting to at least 10 wins or staying under nine and a half for the Browns in 2022. Early receipts, I haven't checked it in at least 30 minutes, but early on, 88% of the public was leaning toward the under and it's been fascinating to follow the odds perspective of this story the entirety of the offseason because there have been multiple markets to bet on the Cleveland Browns from a regular season perspective the AFC championship market is different but from that regular season perspective a win total is a regular season market 10 or more wins is a regular season market to make the postseason has to do with your regular season overall record even being in contention for that divisional championship within the afc north is a regular season market so kev i actually find it interesting that the win total moved nine and a half and the juice is now heavily on the under at minus 145 yet the other numbers to win the afc north or to make the postseason at even money plus 100 have not moved yet for the Cleveland Browns. And I think that has to do with kind of prices you can actually engage with. See, nobody's going to line up on a no Browns to win the division. One, it doesn't exist, but even if it did, right. people aren't going to likely be laying minus 300. Again, really the first accessible number to go against Cleveland, it went against Cleveland. The rest of the stuff is understandable. The money line against the Panthers in week one was minus 118. It's minus 108. Because I'm sure a couple of people saw the news, click, click, 
grab themselves some Panthers plus 100. Oh, great, we've got minus 108. But I think that people were expecting a lot more. I know a couple of people were at least expecting a lot more. And I think that's what makes this team a little interesting. Again, I, you know, mm -hmm. that baseline for the Watson suspension is six. I think it will end up more than that. Some don't. Yep. Again, the baseline is six. Let's just hypothetically say, though, all of a sudden, Ben, we go to 12. I know it's a big jump. I know it's doubling up the number. But let's say we do go to 12. What's the win total then? Nine and a half now with a lot of juice to the under. Seven right. and a half, probably. Two wins, if if not more, to be honest with you, if you double up that Watson suspension. So this is a time where, again, I find it very easy to understand why people are going under. And I'm also very understanding that the FanDuel Sportsbook doesn't want to hang a minus 120 range no playoff number on Cleveland because I think people would be even more interested in that number. I completely agree. And I did find one lack of the market a little bit interesting as well. There's still no alternate win total for the yep. Cleveland Browns. The 31 other NFL organizations mm -hmm. have those alternate win totals up there. If you feel optimistic, you can bet an over on a higher number. Or if you feel more pessimistic about a football team, you could take that under. And I think that alternate win total has to do with what the suspension for Deshaun Watson will end up being for the 2022 season. Listen, the appeals process is in place, agreed upon by the Players Union, the NFLPA, and the league office for the National Football League. It is very much within the jurisdiction of the league office to appeal that ruling. And then Commissioner Goodell is the one that oversees that appellate process. So it would not be surprising if the NFL, who was initially seeking a full year suspension for Deshaun Watson, does appeal Sue Robinson's ruling, looks to add on more games to that suspension of Deshaun Watson. And it is very much within their right to do so you can talk about the optics of the nfl giving way to this system or it's the optics of what they feel is a lesser ruling right now for somebody that's public image mm -hmm. has harmed their brand and at the end of the day the nfl will always look out for the integrity of the shield above all else all right back to the cleveland browns and their odds perspective kev for 2022 because we mentioned the make postseason odds even money plus 100 you put that into context with with the team's Cleveland is going to be competing against in a very difficult AFC in 2022. And you'll find the Browns with the ninth best odds within the AFC right now to make the playoffs this upcoming year. Cincinnati out of their own division, minus 144. That seventh spot is very interesting to note because that would be the final wild card spot just based on the mm -hmm. odds as of right now in the AFC postseason picture. The Titans at minus 110, 10 cents ahead of the Browns, and then to round out who was behind Cleveland, Miami at plus 142, the 10 best odds out of the 16 teams within the AFC. It's interesting, Kev, when you compare that Browns price to make the postseason because, again, that's a regular season market with where Cleveland is in the AFC Championship, the eighth best price right now for Cleveland, ahead of the Tennessee Titans, and a dollar of positive movement in Cleveland's favor following mm -hmm. Sue Robinson's ruling yesterday on Deshaun Watson, now at 13-1. to 1. Yeah, look, I, I think that the Titans might be one of the most interesting teams really in the league coming into this season. We have plenty of time to get to that. This is about the Browns. Here is... Why the AFC, though, is so fascinating. You use those AFC championship odds, right? And you go up into the Browns, Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Ravens, Colts, Bengals, Browns. We are dealing with six of those teams from two divisions. Yep. That doesn't feel very likely to me. 
teams are going <laughs> like I don't think everybody's going to finish three and three in division. It's why the Chargers Super Bowl tickets, I, uh, you know, and all these. I hey, listen, man, Cincinnati's going to yep. run right back to the window. Uh, I don't know about that because you don't have that level of security. It's why. Again, I think Buffalo being favored to win the Super Bowl is nonsensical over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I understand them being favored over the AFC because everybody's up here in a massive, massive gauntlet, and they're not. And the Bills are a minus 220 favorite to win the AFC East. You play the teams in your divisions six times throughout an NFL regular season. Is there going to be some parity? I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's deadline day. In Major League Baseball, the trade deadline comes to a close today around 6 p.m. Eastern time. And there is plenty to get to as we look forward to that trade deadline on this Tuesday afternoon and early evening and look back on what happened yesterday. Often when you get within 24 hours or so of that Major League Baseball trade deadline, the flurry of moves starts to pick up. And that's what we saw yesterday. Okay, Dubs will be up in the Bronx tonight at Yankee Stadium for the Yankees hosting the Seattle Mariners. It was those pinstripes making many a move, adding to their starting rotation and bullpen yesterday. Frankie Montas, the newest member to wear a New York Yankees lid, as well as Lou Trevino and some other arms in that bullpen as well. Kevin, how excited are you to see Frankie Montas in a Yankees uniform? So I am not a big prospects, prospects, prospects guy. But ultimately, I think the Yankees did well for themselves here because they lost out on Louis Castillo. And again, if you are a prospects guy, the Mariners gave up a lot. And if the Yankees were going to have to be able to get Castillo, they were going to have to give up a lot. And it feels like a lot less was dealt here to bring in Montas. And where that's more, again, relevant to me is not that I can't wait for Anthony Volpe to change this franchise. It's that they can trade Anthony Volpe or Jason Dominguez down the road if a better opportunity comes about. Maybe today. The early reports are the Yankees aren't done just yet. The big Mm. thing for me on Montas that jumps right off the page, since 2018, 13 starts against the Houston Astros. In 11 of 13, he's allowed two or fewer runs. That is really who the Yankees are looking at. Yes, they're going to have to play someone before the Astros. Yes, that someone might take the Astros out. I, I get all of that. You never want to look too far ahead. But that is who their contemporary is. In the same way the Houston Rockets every single year built a roster to figure out how to crack the Golden State Warriors, the Yankees are going to have to make sure that they can beat the Houston Astros. Frankie Montas gives them a better chance to do just that. The tracker is at one. Kevin Walsh tying Major League Baseball in to the NBA. But a great analogy there to represent what Frankie Montas adds to that Yankees starting staff. 4-9 this year, not the greatest win-loss record for a starting pitcher, but a 3-1-8 ERA. Lutrovino provides a bump in the bullpen, as does Scott Efros, acquired from the Chicago Cubs yesterday. And we look at the Yankees, the most wins in baseball. They get their 70th of the year last night in a 7-2 victory over the Seattle Mariners. By the way, Aaron Judge hit another home run. He has 43 this year. He has yeah, 10 he dingers in 12 games since returning from that all-star break. But 
That plus 130 price you see for the Yankees to win the American League pennant is the favored number right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is 55 cents ahead of the Houston Astros, who have the second best price at plus 185. And then there is a drop-off by over $5 to the Blue Jays at 7-1. to There is a clear distinction right now between the Yanks and the Strohs. And that's what Frankie Montas means to the Yankees right now, to try to earn that top spot in the American League postseason. But to have that potential showdown and to have a bolstered starting rotation to take down the Houston Astros. That is the focus now for New York here in the second half of the season. Yeah, it certainly is. But let me just bring that back a bounce here because a couple of people, good, 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 close personal friends of Uh this network wanted to make sure that I answered for my unbelievable thought that Aaron Judge was the MVP. Yeah, you better admit it's Otani. Okay, you got me. Fine. Otani was piping hot. And now what? Minus 420 Aaron Judge. Is is that the number? Oh, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Right? Slap a zero, essentially, on the home run total he's got. The war is a 6.2 to Otani's 5.2. So now we can do this whole song and dance because of the Jabron show that likes to get out there and get after me. And now this is not related to either Ben or Donnie. There were people who actually thought it was necessary to say, this guy's using war. I bet he doesn't even know that DHs get penalized because they don't play the field. No, I got it. I'm aware. And guess what? It all matters. War is essentially built in a lab to help Otani. Because guess yep. what? You know who always is the best when it comes to wins above replacement? Pitchers. But nobody's talking about Sandy Alcantara for the NL MVP. But for Otani, it makes a difference. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Got it. No problem. But Aaron Judge is out there robbing home runs because he plays defense. Oh, and by the way, he makes Otani look very average at the plate because Otani has been very average at the plate. But shh. That's a big secret for the Otani people and his 224 batting average in the month of July. I think Aaron Judge hit a home run right now. Right now, probably Yankee Stadium. If I have to imagine, he has been so red hot. So if this turns around at some point, I will once again eat crow if I have to. But you better believe I'm going to come up here and do my song and dance while I still can because Aaron Judge right now is baseball's very best with not really a close second player. I can't tell if that was a win for the stats people out there or a huge L in the way that Kevin used war wins above replacement. But to echo an odds perspective and a number, minus 420 is now that number on Aaron Judge to win the American League MVP. You want another number? There's a new total up on Aaron Judge under the season specials mark on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Mm -hmm. Over under 63 and a half. Regular season home runs. Aaron Judge is now at 43. The under of that 63 and a hook has the juice, but he has hit 10 home runs in just 12 games since returning from the All-Star break. But it was not just the Yankees making moves ahead of the MLB trade deadline yesterday and adding to that starting staff and in their bullpen. Their counterpart in the American League, the Houston Astros, making some head waves as well, acquiring Trey Mancini, from the Baltimore Orioles and Christian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox. Kev, Mancini, Vasquez adding to that battery of the Houston Astros and the lineup in Mancini, who this year, 10 home runs, 41 RBIs. An emotional goodbye to the Baltimore organization yesterday. And Christian Vasquez was playing for the Red Sox against the Houston Astros yesterday in Houston. He just gets to stay 
in his new home. So let me preface what I'm going to say by this. The Astros don't need to do anything at the deadline to be very legitimate World Series contenders and the single scariest team for the New York Yankees to face. Made that very, very clear. I don't think this is as good of a deadline as perhaps the Astros were looking to have. And I'm not mm. really all too sure why. As far as the catcher perspective, they were interested in Contreras as opposed to Vasquez. Vasquez is not as good of a hitter. We just know that to be true. I know he's got the 282 batting average. Check, Take a look at the OPS, though. A massive gap between the two. And to be honest with you, if you're going to shake up a potential Martin Maldonado who's been there for a long time and really works fantastic with this staff, I want him to be an above-and-beyond guy. I worry a bounce about moving Maldonado out of there just because we know how much pitchers are creatures of habit. And as far as Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini might have the single highest approval rating of any player in sports. How could you not be romantic about his comeback story and all that it pertains? But the other guy we heard the Astros involved with was Josh Bell, who has the 12th best OPS in baseball. At the end of the day, that's not where Trey Mancini is right now in terms of what he's bringing to the table. So is Trey Mancini a nice piece? Yeah. Vasquez, the same thing. Might they be better in Houston? I'd almost guarantee it. That's how the Astros are. But if you would have came on to me and said, hey, Kevin, they landed Contreras and Josh Bell, I would tell you that they need to move to the favorites in the American League no matter what goes on. But that's not what happened. 55 cents of difference in the AL pennant odds. Again, the Yankees, the favorites at plus 130. They have a three-game advantage over the Astros in terms of that overall record for the top spot if the season were to end today in the American League postseason. And we have already seen movement on those American League pennant odds, National League pennant odds, and the World Series prices as well. The big three as we know them. The Dodgers, plus 310. The Yankees, 30 cents behind, plus 340. The Astros round out that top three. All three of those clubs within a dollar of each other. The Strohs, plus 400. Early on yesterday, Kev, on a Monday afternoon, an intriguing move by two teams that will probably both be in the National League playoff picture. That would be the Milwaukee Brewers, trading all-star closer Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. An intriguing and rare move, Kev, ahead of the deadline where you see two postseason contenders swapping one of the best players in all of Major League Baseball from that relief perspective. An all-star this year in Josh Hader. What did you make of this move between San Diego and Milwaukee? So people uh, running to the defense of the Milwaukee Brewers, oh, they might know more than you. I'd hope, I'd hope in the room, they got a better <laughs> idea than me. But here's the deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a team that's above minus 200 to win a division and is the eighth best odds to win a World Series last I looked. And they are selling at the deadline. That is nonsensical. And by the way, they're taking calls on Omar Navarez. So really, they are offering up a signal that they are selling. At the minimum, they are trying to walk a tightrope here to see if they can do both. The only way... You can justify this to me is very simple, and I've said it plenty of times. I said it on the early line, said it yesterday on the money line. There's only one way, and that's if you think Josh Hader is cooked. Josh Hader in the month of July, 13 earned runs. That is outrageous. Over the last two years, he had only given up 16 total earned runs. That's what matches his season-long tally this year. The prior two seasons yeah. combined, he was at 16. If you think Hader is cooked, then the Brewers got out at the right time. Tampa Bay Rays style, New England Patriots style, wash their hands of something that might turn bad. 
But if you still think that Hader is one of the five best relief pitchers in baseball, which is what he has been essentially his entire career, this yep. is an embarrassment of a move for a team that is looking to contend for a World Series. The Brewers still have Devin Williams at the back end of that bullpen. One final point there. The Brewers have a three-game lead in the National League Central. That's why they're minus 210. The Padres are 12 games back of the Dodgers in the NL West, but they are plus 850 to win that National League pennant, nearly $5 in mm. front of the Brewers, who are 13-1. to 1. Kev, thank you for everything, as always. I always have fun hosting a show with you. More TMA up next. I'm next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. And back right here for a second straight day. Some technological hiccups yesterday, but Matt Fontana of ESPN Cleveland is back. He hosts ESPN Cleveland tonight each and every weekday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time for ESPN Cleveland. And Matt, we are glad to have you back. Thanks for bearing with us and coming back for a second consecutive day. Oh, we couldn't have what happened yesterday be the, the the final time, right? We had to we had to conquer this, so I'm happy that we're able to do it today. And knock on wood, hopefully that yeah, Wi-Fi exactly holds right. up. That's all we can do right now. So, Matt, we wanted your initial reaction yesterday to Judge Sue L. Robinson's ruling, a six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson for the 2022 season. But plenty has happened in the 24 hours since you were last here on the morning after, including the NFL's response, thanking Sue Robinson for her diligence in this disciplinary hearing process and with the determination they will review what happens and have that three-day window to decide if they will appeal that six-game suspension and Judge Robinson's ruling. Do you think, Matt, based on what you have seen in the last 24 hours, that Deshaun Watson's suspension will stick at just six games for 2022? You know, that's the ultimate question, right? Because they have until 9 a.m. Thursday morning. That's when the window closes. You know, the PA came out even before and said, hey, we're not going to we're not going to appeal this. We urge the NFL right. to do the same. So even on that right there, that kind of lent me to feel like the PA might think the NFL is going to do this. And as they're going through this PR battle, this PR war, a public opinion to get that statement out to maybe even kind of like caution people like, hey, the NFL is going to appeal this. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is this is the first time for this brand new process, this independent arbitrator, collective bargaining agree agreement. Why on the first one would you want to mess with it? Now, the NFL, they don't like to lose. And some people did see this as a victory for the NFL. They, Sue Robinson in her brief said, yes, Deshaun Watson violated the conduct, the personal conduct policy off a of precedent. No player has ever been suspended more than six games for a violation of the personal conduct policy. So she's just going off of that. You know, if the NFL wants to drag this out because they think they lost, they will appeal. Um, I, I Just my gut feeling, I don't think they will. I think they'll take until tomorrow and then make their announcement that they won't. Yeah, this entire process really has been a battle of the optics with the NFL seeking a full year-long suspension of Deshaun Watson, but having to go through this collectively bargained agreement of that disciplinary hearing process with the independent arbiter as Matt laid out there. So we'll see what the optics lead us to, a court of public opinion now for Deshaun Watson 
and the Cleveland Browns and based on Sue Robinson's ruling. Right now, it stands at six games. We'll get more updates over the next 48 hours or so. And Matt, yesterday, as you were getting ready to host your radio show, what was the atmosphere like around Cleveland following Judge Robinson's ruling yesterday? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that it was, um, you know, a victory type day because I think that's wrong to, to paint it that way of saying that, you know, we got to remember that there were people harmed in this situation, that there were people, you know, impacted and affected by this. So I'm, I'm very understanding and sympathetic of that. But as far as Browns fans go, six games, I think is fair. There were some that wanted none. I think with just the six number, the, the number one thing I took away is our the, the Browns season is not sunk. Right, six games. The first mm-hmm. four are very attainable and winnable, even with Jacoby Brissett as the backup quarterback. You've got two tough games in there, sure. You know, Patriots, Chargers, but you can still fight for the playoffs if you know when Deshaun Watson comes back. If it just sticks at the six, I think a lot of people and I, we were cautioning a lot of people to say, "Hey, this is not over." Right? This the NFL right. still could raise it up, but if it stays at that six. Browns fans really felt like that was a big win because there's reason to actually watch this team and be optimistic that they can still make a run for the playoffs. After an offseason of speculation, clarity yesterday for sure in Judge Robinson's ruling, but not finality. We'll wait to see what the National Football League does in its response. But for the first time as well, Matt, all offseason, we had a new market available for the Cleveland Browns, a win total for the first time for Cleveland in 2022. And that number is nine and a half. The under has the juice at minus 145. Knowing the suspension right now stands at six games. How do you evaluate Cleveland's team win total for 2022? You know, I start as we should with those six games. And you that is a lot of times you talk about win totals, that might paint the picture. If you feel like the Browns can go four and two in those six games, you're easily going to push the over, right? Because you're going to ask Deshaun Watson to go basically 500 in the games that he can play. And you assume he'll do better than that. I don't know about four and two, you know, I think three and three is certainly more optimistic. So then that's right. Of course, Vegas knows what they're doing at that nine and a half. I look at the second half of that Brown schedule too. And you ask yourself, when Deshaun Watson comes back, let's say it's three and three. Cause like I, when I always like doing over unders when it comes to wins, I would look more at losses. I look at games yep. that I go, okay, there's no way, it, you know, snowball's chance in hell they're going to win this game. Right. So as I look right. at that three and three, then on the way out with Deshaun Watson, for the games that he can play six of the last nine games are on the road and the Browns on the second half of the schedule have a top 10 one of the top 10 hardest schedules as far as former playoff teams from a year ago. That includes obviously AFC North opponents, and that includes some tough games. You know, again, as I mentioned on the road, Buccaneers are in there. Um, It's, you know, that you're not asking for perfection for Deshaun Watson, but for that 10 and a half, for that 10 to hit uh, on the over, you're talking about 10 and seven. I look at those first four. I do think they're going to go three and three. So with that, I'm going to take the slight over. I think they finished 10 and seven. I appreciate you giving your record prediction for those first six games because that was going to be my follow-up question. Three and three through the first six, and we have the odds available for that season debut. Week number one for Cleveland, of course, on the road in Carolina. Storylines galore facing off against former Browns quarterback, now for the Panthers in Baker Mayfield. Cleveland is a slight 
one-point road favorite, but that money line saw some movement yesterday as well. It's now even on both sides, Matt, at minus 108. We know Deshaun Watson will not be the quarterback for that first game of the year as they are now in training camp. What does Cleveland's roster look like without Deshaun for that season opener? You know, it's still the thing, and that's we've had a lot of conversations with a lot of fans, and the team feels this way. Regardless of the quarterback, which is a huge thing to say, it's the most important position in sports, this team is a playoff contending roster. I don't want to say top to bottom, but Ben, it's the best team. You know, I go back to 1999, like when the Browns came back, and that's kind of the era that I'm in. This is the best football team that they've had in 23 years. They really have. They've had good teams before. Sure, the wide receiving core, you might have some questions there. They have one of, if not the best offensive lines in football. They have, in my opinion, the best running back room in the NFL. They just paid David Njoku elite tight end money. I think he's going to get production this year. That defense, Miles Garrett obviously is pushing for defensive player of the year. We know that's a goal of his. He's never even gotten a vote in that category, by the way. He said jokingly that was his goal of the season was just to get one vote in the defense. Defensive player of the year uh, standings, which I hope he gets. You know, secondary, Denzel Ward paid elite top corner. I think it's going to be a real breakout year for a safety named Grant Delpit, who uh, lost his rookie year due to injury last year, played very well, especially late in the year. And they have a good crop of young linebackers, too, that I think makes the plays. So with all that in mind, yeah, this roster is a playoff roster. The problem is it's the one position that's most important with Jacoby Brissett. You know, you talk about those six games, obviously the first one against Carolina. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to go that old school route to say, hey, Jacoby, don't do as a backup quarterback would. Don't put us in a bad situation. Do not turn the football over. We have two really, I mean, the way you want to look at it, two elite running backs, Kareem Hunt, former yep. leading rusher in the NFL, coming off injury, I understand. But we're going to put that offensive line to work. We're going to put these backs to work. We're not going to put you in a bad position. And if we got to win ugly, 17-14, we will. Uh, but I think that that's what they're going to try to do. So I think 3-3 three and three is the floor. I could see 4-2. and two. And for that opener, uh, I do like the Browns. There's a, I'll tell you this, I don't want to spoil it for a lot of people, but uh, I don't want to put words in people's mouth either. The Browns are extremely motivated to not let Baker Mayfield win that game week one. I could see that. A chip on the shoulder yeah. of Baker Mayfield for sure, but motivation on the other side for the Cleveland Browns as well. That would stay under, by the way, of the total at 41 Correct, and a yeah. half. And as a man known as Big Ten Ben in certain parts of the country, Matt, 17-14, where Kevin Stefanski only preaches establish the run. Hey, I'd like that start for the Cleveland Browns as well so the win total Matt was the first time we had seen it yesterday nine and a half again the under has the juice at minus 145 but there have been regular season markets to say to bet on the Cleveland Browns all off season long including the Browns mm -hmm. odds to make the postseason we've seen some movement on that number now the ninth best price in a very competitive AFC for 2022 at plus one Let's say the Cleveland Browns go three and three in those first six games without Deshaun Watson, as you predicted, or right around that margin. Can Cleveland do enough in the second half of the season to be a postseason team this year? They can be. And I think the biggest question is, what do you believe in as you guys have the Bengals up there? You talk about if the Ravens are going to come back, you know, if Lamar Jackson can can kind of push aside the contract thing. Um, Tony Gross, he's our longtime uh, Browns uh, reporter here in Cleveland uh, with ESPN Cleveland. And I always love Tony's line. He goes, the easiest way to make the playoffs is win your division. You know, so if people mm -hmm. want to talk, I know obviously the extra wild card and things like that. 
But when you look at a stacked AFC West, you'd have to assume at least two, maybe three teams are going to come out of there. Um, is there another team that could push in the AFC East? It depends what you believe, you know, with with uh, New England. Uh, and then obviously you talk about, I really only think maybe one team. I don't know if the Colts will get it done in the South. But really the easiest path, obviously, for the Browns are the AFC North. And as you guys have the odds right there, too, um, it seems to be that, you know, three-horse race. And the biggest thing is, do you believe the Bengals – got really lucky last year and kind of yeah. fell into something. Is Joe Burrow going to get figured out? I mean, all those storylines that people always talk about when you have a really, you know, stellar team. Then the same thing with Baltimore. I mean, they're wide receivers. They trade away Brown this off season. Okay. Are they going to just go with Mark Andrews? Do the contract situations bleed into the season, you know, with the Brown or I'm sorry, with Lamar Jackson, then here are the Browns, right? Are they sitting in the catbird seat? You know, are they sitting here saying, hey, we can kind of slide in there, take over this AFC North. So it's like I almost kind of look at it that way as you guys had the odds up, which I appreciate. I almost like more just taking them to go take the win the AFC North. You know, I could bet on them uh, to go make the playoffs, but I think their path to the playoffs, I really think their, their easier path, which is crazy to say, the easiest path for them to make the playoffs is just win the division, and I'll take that plus 230 over the plus 100. Sure, you look at those odds right there and you see the Browns sitting in third out of the four teams available in the AFC North, but they're only 60 cents, just 60 cents behind the Ravens, who are the favorites at plus 130 and some positive movement on that number for Cleveland yesterday following Judge Robinson's ruling for the six game suspension for Deshaun Watson. All right, quickly here, Matt, only a minute left in this segment. We know what the regular season looks like at the start for Cleveland the preseason gets underway next week the Browns opener in the preseason on the road against Jacksonville booked currently as a one and a half point underdog do you expect to see Deshaun Watson get some playing time throughout the preseason to get ready for 2022 you know, last year, Kevin Stefanski, which the first, you know, he's only two years he's had, it's been all COVID related. So we don't really know. We did ask him even this past week. He said he hasn't figured it out. Last year was different. He didn't play anybody in the first two games. They had joint practices, which they do have joint practices again this year, uh, week two against Philadelphia. And then he played everybody in week, in the third preseason game. So I would have to say yes because Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, but I hate to tell you guys I don't have a good vibe on it just because Kevin Stefanski's precedent is that he doesn't play his starters in the first two preseason games. Many coaches have different philosophies when it comes to preseason football. Matt Fontana from ESPN Cleveland, thanks for coming back. We appreciate your time, certainly here on the morning after on Sportsman. Plenty more to come up next on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one in the morning after live on this Tuesday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. We will continue to break down the Deshaun Watson decision and the ramifications across the National Football League, both what the NFL will do in its response if an appeal is on the way over the next 48 hours plus, what that process looks like, and also from that odds perspective as well. Because for the first time all offseason, the Cleveland Browns now have a team win total available on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The number is 9.5. The under has the juice at minus 1. 
45. What do you, the public, think about that win total? Is it a fair number? Are you going over or under? We find out together and fade the public. So with that win total, now at nine and a half, all 32 NFL organizations have a team win total available to bet on the FanDuel sports. But currently, what will Cleveland do this year? Over nine and a half wins, that's plus 125. Under nine and a half wins, that has the juice at minus 145. And I think the reason it has been bet down to that point, as Kevin Walsh laid out for you earlier on in this opening hour, is because of what you can see here, how the public feels. Fading the Cleveland Browns entering the 2022 campaign. 84% of the public at SportsGrid TV on Twitter thinking the Browns go under nine and a half wins this season. It was interesting because a market was available all offseason to bet Cleveland to win double-digit games. Ten or more wins, it was minus 105. You can see there's been 30 cents of movement against that because the over of nine and a half, which would, of course, be at least 10 wins, is now plus 125. The public fading the Browns entering this upcoming year in the National Football League. Our number one of the morning after is done. Our number two is up next following a sports grid news update from Alex Fasano.